Have you been told you're in sin, called a sinner? When you question this, you're often immediately labeled a heretic or an apostate, or maybe someone who is never really even a Christian to begin with. All of that attack and defensiveness, instead of just having an open conversation. But when you question this, when you open your box, all heaven breaks loose, and you start to deconstruct your faith and reconstruct something that is deeper and richer and more satisfying. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, welcome to the Freed Hearts Podcast. My name is Robert Cottrell, and I'm here as always with the amazing, beautiful, wonderful Susan Cottrell. Yeah, you stopped me. I had a whole list <laughs> of things, but yeah. And today, again, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. We comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. This podcast is for people who've been hurt by exclusion. You may have been excluded, or afraid you will be excluded, or you may have excluded others, and it hurts. This is for you. Today, we're going to talk about a eh, simple, light topic. We're going to talk about sin, sin, sins. I need my, that would have been a perfect spot. You made your for great my phone, sound effects. My phone effects with some sort of screen. Honey, be happy <laughs> with what you provide. It was great. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. We are going to talk about sin and faith issues today. So we want to remind you that our goal here is to change the human conversation on love and inclusion we address religion to dismantle the roadblocks to love and inclusion. We don't want you to go to church, go back to church, or leave the church. We want you to be free of the residual conversation in your head. So that's what kind of what deconstruction is. It's almost deconstructing your faith, reconstructing spirituality, so to speak. So if you get triggered by talk about faith issues, we understand. We don't blame you in the least. If you've been hurt or excluded by family or community, we are so sorry our work is to help prevent that kind of heartache and exclusion from happening. Uh, so this is a this is your trigger warning because we want you to be safe. We talk about these things, these issues of faith, only to disarm them, to help you heal the harm that's been done to you uh, and help uh, prevent that harm in the future. We care about your heart. You're safe here. We are so glad that you are here. Um, so today we're going to talk about sin. As we've been on this big journey of deconstruction, we notice many elements that nobody questions, and that's really an indictment of the church. Again, things are kind of, uh, um, you just can't talk about certain things. And But once you begin to question what you never previously thought to question, things you've never even saw are suddenly glaringly obvious. I mean, Jesus said, love your enemies. Wow. That was, that was awesome at the time, you know, mm-hmm. to... To a people it's still group. awesome if we do it. Yeah. You know, Paul said, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. What? You know, that's a mic drop kind of thing. And when you look at the six passages that are used to condemn homosexuality in same-sex relationships, you discover that they have nothing to do with homosexuality or same-sex relationships, same-sex relationships. And it's so clear. Once you learn these things, it's so clear. It's like, oh my gosh. Right. And even when you look at what were core issues in the evangelical church, like God is not an old white man, what we've been taught about the word hell in the Bible does not actually mean what we think. When you question these or anything like this, you're often immediately labeled a heretic or an apostate or maybe someone who was never really a Christian to begin with. And all of that attack, it's just, it's just instead of having the discussion, all of that attack and defensiveness comes out 
And when you question these, what you're doing is you're opening the box you have God in. And we have repeatedly said, when you do that, all heaven breaks loose. Yes. And you start to deconstruct your faith and reconstruct a spirituality that is deeper and richer and more satisfying. Yeah. One of those core issues, one of those mic drops for me was to recognize that religious people, religious leaders, and so the religious people under their authority are obsessed with sin. People have been terrorized by the idea of sin, but that's sleight of hand. It's misdirection. You know what we are told to be obsessed with? Love. Am I loving well? That's a question that should be on the hearts of every one of us, and especially those who ascribe to any type of faith. Jesus said they'll know you're Christians by your love, not by your obsession with sin. You know, but sin is such a such a more effective tool to use to keep people in line. Yes. Because it's not that, you know, because if you get people to focus on their love, then it's empowering to people. Yes. And they feel strengthened and and it's it's difficult at that point for a controlling system, a patriarchal system to keep people in line. It's easier if people feel kind of it sounds horrible, but it's it's true if they feel bad about themselves. Yeah. You know? It's a and, great way to keep people compliant. And if you look at some of the things that the religious leaders said in the Bible and did, they often responded to people to, you know, well, you be quiet. You it's you feel bad about yourself, which just kind of keeps you in a place where you're not really going to examine me. Jesus, Jesus's message was always you feel good about. You don't need to feel bad about yourself. You are more beautiful than you know. Yeah. You know? Unless you're excluding others. Those are the ones he he yeah. called out. Yeah. And if I'm told to love then that requires something of me. But if the focus is sin, I can just point out people's sins all day. Right. right. You know, but to love people well, well that takes yeah. more out of me. So folks who are just trying to live their lives, who are doing the best that they know how to do, are being terrorized that there's something so inherently wrong with them, sin, that they can't change and they just have nowhere to go with it. Yeah. And lots of times people are obsessed with this question of sin and how do we manage it in our churches? And who is right and who is wrong? And how do we know that being gay is not a sin? And how do we deal with that? And we got a message from a woman who said this. And this is a kind of a common thing that we hear. Yeah. And you can tell at the beginning here that she loves us and stays in touch. But then she asked a question that I think a lot of us really don't know what to do with. And you answered that, yeah? Yeah. And let me interject something here that that we get a lot of people who tell us they reject their child because of their faith or whatever. And that's easier to see through, to see where they're misjudging the situation. But what we're going to read here is more nuanced than that. She is good, coming in good faith to this question. And so that's why we wanted to read this one in particular. So in this letter to you, this email to you, Mm -hmm. she said, Hi, lady. I love staying connected (laughs) via Facebook. You say a lot of things that are so important to be heard in regards to a recent post you made about welcoming versus affirming churches. Again, I know we, respectfully, disagree theologically on whether gay sex is a sin or not. On a tangent, I am still uncertain on my theological position on a trans man and a trans woman being 
married. Is that sin? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Hence the trouble with trying to ferret out sin. Go ahead. But specifically about being welcoming versus affirming. She says, I always want to be welcoming, but I do believe there is sin. And if one is, quote, in sin or practicing sin without repentance, that a position of leadership in the church is a problem. But for an unbeliever or a seeker, I want to share the love of Jesus has for them right where they are. In that type of scenario, would you suggest that I simply refer a seeking gay person to an affirming church from the very beginning? Example, my children do not profess Jesus as Lord. It breaks my heart, but I strive to love them where they are. A Muslim married gay woman to a trans man, a separated soon-to-be divorcee sleeping with his rebound girlfriend, a bisexual woman dating a man, a non-binary same-sex attracted person not dating anyone. If any of them became interested in following Christ again, I believe that they all have a relationship with Jesus, even if it's not currently the case. I feel like I would want to explain my position, but also encourage them to find what they believe the Bible and the Holy Spirit has to say about same-sex marriage. Is this healthy? Advised? Again, I'd love to be convinced that gay sex wasn't a sin, but in my research, I'm not convinced. I won't force my belief on anyone. Hmm. And I won't love them conditionally based on my beliefs about how others live their lives or interpret scripture. But does that make me non-affirming? I want to represent myself accurately. And Susan, you answered this. And yeah. I, and I'd love of you to share your answer. That letter made sense, yeah. Yeah, it did. There's and a I, lot in there. There's a lot in there. And yes, it does make her non-affirming. She's not affirming those relationships. She's not affirming gay relationships, trans um, transition, you know, all of that. So yes, that's what non-affirming means. And people don't like to have that word. They don't like to fit that description, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And we're sin itself, we're going to talk about in a future episode in another, in a bigger deconstructed way. But I, I'm addressing this because this is a really important, like what do I do when I have this belief system and I want to do the right thing? Do I need to tell them what I believe? And then blah, blah, blah. So I, I, here's what I said. I said, wow, what a great question. There are so many layers here. The bottom layer is that we, modern evangelical or some variation of Christian are obsessed with not affirming sin, making our position clear about where we stand and to draw a line around people. But Jesus never told us to do that. He told us to love and that love would always look and feel like love. He told us to embrace. And the only people he got mad at were religious leaders who were obsessed with not affirming sin, making their position clear about where they stand and drawing a line around people. Mm. I'm convinced that being gay, acting gay, having a gay relationship, or being trans and transitioning and having a trans relationship, and then is it with a male or a female or any of that, or being bi, whether you're a male with a male or a female or whatever, none of that is sin. None of that is sin. And and a, a deep study, I think, really does reveal that when you are willing to see it. And I think those who really press into this and read the scholarship of the many learned theologians who have studied this 
do come to that conclusion that the Bible does not condemn being or acting on gay, trans, bisexual, pansexual, etc. But but let's set all that aside. Let's say for whatever reason you just can't come around on this. Still, the obsession over not affirming sin or making our position clear about where we stand or drawing a line around who's sinning and in what way, this is all sin of the worst kind. This clutching we have on sin and what we, what we think it is and who's doing it and our opinion about it is the wrong place to be. It prevents us from loving people with abandon as the Bible tells us to do and instead makes us treat people in ways that are not at all loving. Even if we don't think we are, we are, and they tell us we are, right? Instead, we must purposely set aside our obsession with whether people are in sin, purposely set aside our commitment to expressing our position about their love lives or how they identify and erase the lines we've drawn around them because our job is still our job to love without condition in ways that look and feel like love. And I believe that understanding, that that understanding of what you currently don't understand about being LGBTQ will come over time as you embrace this group of people with open arms and leave behind your opinion of them. It's not relevant. I believe your greatest understanding will come when you ask the Spirit not who's in sin and who's out, but instead, how can I best love these human beings who bear your image? Start there and keep going. And as you do, God will reshape you into the likeness of Jesus more than you've ever imagined, more than was possible with all the obsessing, positioning, and line drawing. You'll become sweeter, kinder, bigger, more magnanimous, more generous, and more like Jesus than you ever imagined. And then you will no longer struggle with how you treat these people. Mm, that's excellent. That was, yeah. a great, that was a great response. Thank you. You know, there was a, there's a, a cartoon, we share a lot of cartoons from David Hayward, who is the naked pastor. Yeah. Who's known, I hope he's not just the naked pastor out there. But, <laughs> um, I told that to Hannah and her girlfriend. Her girlfriend's like, is he naked? I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but one of the cartoons has has um, a bunch of white men in suits um, using big pencils to draw lines. And there's Jesus in the middle using an eraser to erase all the lines, to follow him around erasing the lines. Yeah. And the lines dividing who's in and who's yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever line, who's in, who's yeah. out, who's who's front row, who's back row, who's yeah. important. Yeah. Whatever. Front of the bus, who's, back of the bus, yeah, yeah. all those things. But if we... It's like, if we really thought, well, you know what? Yes, yes. I have to go around and examine my job as a Christian is to examine everybody and call everybody out for the sin, the quote, sin in their life, according to the interpretation of the Bible that I've been taught. Good Lord, we've been doing that all <laughs> day long, wouldn't right. we? Yeah, we have. You we know, have put down the shrimp, are. put down the football. Why are you cutting your hair? Why are you letting your hair grow? Why are you right. wearing jewelry? Why are you, why are you doing it? It's I mean, like an endless tax code. Oh, oh, gosh. Yeah, it makes the IRS look simple. Right. 
Love you, IRS, in case you're listening. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but that's endless. So we know, come on now, come on now. You know that that's not what we're supposed to do. So the only way to even manage that is to cherry pick. Yeah. You know, is to pick the verses that you want. Yeah. And it's just so interesting that, again, it used to be a lot of things. It used it used to be women working or women voting or... or being left-handed. Or race or being left-handed or being divorced or not. And now the sin of the yeah. day or the decade or the whatever last several decades is being LGBTQ, being part of that community. So come on now. I mean, if you just can step out of that box for a minute, things do get clear. It is, first of all, it is cherry picking the sins that you want to focus on. And it's ignoring something even greater. So to say that someone is in sin is saying there's a command in the Bible that you're not keeping, mm-hmm. and I'm going to call you out on that. Right. And while you're doing that- Because I'm keeping them all. Well, while you're doing that, <laughs> you're ignoring the two commands that Jesus gave you that said, cover all the others. So that, like you said, that's the sin in all of this, Yeah, is to not loving God and loving others and not loving your neighbor unconditionally. And um, your advice was great. Just let, just, I, you know, it's, isn't it maddening to try to keep up with people's sins? You know what though? Keeps the focus off of my own when I do that. Yeah. You know? And again, we'll cover this in a future thing in depth, but the word sin, it just means to miss the mark in its original usage, it was not weighted with centuries of shame and guilt and moral weight that has been added to it and the the whole of the church adding to it and all of every, you know, religious leader's weight on it. It just meant to miss the mark, like off base, you know, a, a runner is, it's an archery term, okay, it's a sin to miss the bullseye. But it's like a runner's off base. So you could replace every time you see sin in the Bible, just say, you know, you're off base. Yeah. And or, it's a or whole not, different weight yeah, to it. Yeah. There's something better for you. There's something better for you. Something, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Now, but you, love is, is, but love is the thing we've belittled and made it be just, yeah, yeah, I love you. I love you. But what else? Oh, yeah. Meaningless instead of, wow. no, that's the weight. That's where the weight needs to be. Wow. Love is the whole point. Wow. We've made love meaningless. That's yeah. Can I ask you to address something here? Can I ask you to address because a lot of the times people will use this particular encounter Jesus had with a woman uh, to to justify their um, their holding some someone uh, accountable, and it's a woman forgiven for adultery. Yes, when he quote, well, Jesus told her to quote, go and sin no more. Uh, so, you, so you can't just say you love. You have to tell them to repent and go and yeah. sin no more. But and but, this this white male, very um, by the book, supposedly kind of man, very early on said, you know, Jesus said all the time. He told people to go and sin no more. <laughs> no, that's your first no. He said it twice. 
One was to a man involved in, in what they believe is probably sexual sin. And he's saying, don't do what you've been doing. And I've healed you, but don't do what you've been doing. This thing won't come back to you. Okay, got that. That is case specific. And then there's this woman who we call her forgiven for adultery. They always say caught in adultery, but she's forgiven for adultery. I think that's the more important point here. Okay. And I could talk much longer. I'm going to do this short. Yeah, no, go ahead. That's a, but, This is a big thing people use. Yeah, it is. And it, the thing is, this woman has been dragged by these religious leaders to the center square, naked, presumably, because they pulled her out of bed. And likely the man that she was with is in the crowd. Well, oh, I'm sorry. We'll get yes. ahead. I'll back off. Yeah, and so <laughs> she's she's there, and they're saying, the law tells us to stone her. What do we do? And, you know, they're they're testing him. Now, he looks at them. Clearly, there's a man involved, because how do you catch somebody in adultery alone? You don't. So one of the men that he's looking at mm. is one of those men. And so he, you know, he talks them down and he says, whichever one of you doesn't have any sin, whichever one of you is not off base, you throw the first stone. And of course, they finally drop their stones and walk away knowing they are guilty. And then he turns to her and says, where are your accusers? And she said, they've gone away. Mm. And he said, neither do I condemn you. How okay. come we don't latch onto that? Now that's that's full stop right there. Full stop. Hold on to the next sentence. I'll get to that. But right there is a full stop. Go, you, I don't condemn you either. Uh, clearly she was caught and clearly he forgave her. He did not condemn her. That needs to speak volumes. He had every legal right to do and he... Well, he could have really lost face if he hadn't known what to say in that moment because those religious leaders were challenging him to maintain the law. I was going to say that was the law. Yes, that was the law. And so he did not the religious follow law. the law. And, and civil law. Yeah. she did not repent. And she didn't, right. Repentance was Quote, not part of it. Repent. Well, you know, I can imagine she's like, Oh my gosh, well, I wish I weren't here. But we don't hear words of repentance yeah, that's from not, her. That's right. So it's that's not right. embedded in the story. And then he says, and then after all of that, he says, now go and, and don't live like this anymore. I know the words are go and sin them no more. But don't go and don't go off base like that so far anymore. And what he's really saying, we know this because he already forgave her. And and people will say it, it's like a condition of her of her forgiveness. Well, no sinning, okay? No more of this. And and then you're forgiven. No. Jesus was not wagging a finger at that. Point. No, he completely forgave her. And then he said, Don't don't be this way anymore. Don't do this yeah, anymore. You don't have because, to miss the mark. Anymore. Yeah, you don't I have, have to miss the mark. Better. I have something better. Yeah. And we know it wasn't go and sin no more because nobody goes and sins no more in the way that we hear that today. Everybody has misses the mark in daily ways. All so the that's time. not what he was saying. He was saying what you might say to your child who's just broken up from their relationship. And you say, honey, you deserve better than that. That person was not treating you the way you deserve to be treated. Mm. You deserve better. 
Any good parent would say that. And these men had just set her up to be executed to prove their point with Jesus. They didn't care about her in the least. And so when you're in a relationship where you're being hurt, he's saying, you don't have to live this way. That's really what he was saying, is you don't have to live this way. I have so much better than this for you. There are people who will love you and care about you. And I want to say to you listening, if you're in a relationship where you're being hurt and told that you're worthless and you're sinning and whatever other trigger words you might be being told, you don't have to live like this. There is better for you. You don't have to take scraps from people who call it love and pretend that they're caring about you when they're not. You get to walk away and find other relationships and people who will care about you. That's what Jesus was saying to this woman, and that's what I'm saying to you. You take care of your own heart and don't subject it to people who will trample over it and make a point out of you to others who don't care at all about you. Mm. Thank you. That's it. Well, this is part this is part of our core focus of moving to love each other. Yes. And a reminder that if we do that, everything else falls into place. Do yes, that. Absolutely. The Bible says we know God. And you do that and you move from a rules-based to a relationship-based faith. I think of that woman and how she how she felt mm-hmm. about herself when she was being dragged out. It's like I'm just a whore. This is what I deserve. This is the kind Slut. of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the kind of life I deserve. This is this is this is me. This is me. Yeah. And and everyone there except for Jesus would have agreed and would have treated her that way. Mm-hmm. Would she have changed because of their treatment? Condemnation of her? Of her? No. 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 It would drive her further into her shame. Exactly right. And there is life in the message that you are not condemned. And if I can get you to believe that, there's so much of a better life for you. Yes. If I can get you to believe that you don't, that you are beloved, that you're yes. not, I don't condemn you. Yeah. You know, no one, all your accusers are gone. I sent them away. And you know what? <laughs> I don't condemn you either. Yeah. Because you are beloved. And if you just believe that, that's, that's the mark right there. That's hitting the mark yes. is to live your life knowing that you're beloved. That's beautifully said. And you know what? And that's what you deserve. Yeah. If you're listening to this, that's what you deserve. You deserve to love and be loved. God delights in you as you are for who you are. And you are beloved. We, we love, love you. you. Bye. Bye. Would it be okay if I were to tell you? That I am afraid someday So I call you up and you call me down Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www 
www.freedhearts.org. Just come say hello. And if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast, things you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner. And you can find out more about her at heysaintsinner.com. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.